The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's time to stop focusing on business problems and start focusing on the growth and leadership of your business. Welcome to The Business Edge with your host, Marsha Zeidel. Learn to create a growth agenda to get your business on the right track and keep it there. Rev up your growth engine with exceptional talent and develop the right kind of leadership to move it forward fast. Now, here is Marsha Zeidel. Welcome to The Business Edge, giving practical advice to entrepreneurs and business leaders on how to take your company, firm, or practice to that next level with less stress and more success. In other words, how to take the growing pains out of growth. I'm Marcia's Idol, your Smart Moves Coach, getting you on the right track and making sure you don't get sidetracked in your drive for high performance and high profitability. Let's start with a Smart Moves tip. Listeners, are you aware of the law of unattended consequences? In other words, things we expect to happen don't, and things we didn't expect to happen do. Realize that each decision or action we take can have more than one outcome, including undesirable effects. A solution to one problem can create another, or what looks like honey can quickly turn into vinegar. So keep in mind the law of unattended consequences. Now, Let's move to our program about making good choices and good decisions. My guest is Greg Magnus, who will tell us about a game-changing approach to leadership using TED, the empowerment dynamic. He'll talk about DDTs and other interesting concepts, including moving from anxiety and stress to confidence and competency and navigating the many challenges leaders face today. Greg has over 20 years of human resource assessment and performance management experience with diverse groups of leading North American organizations. He is now focused full-time with Axiom Human Resource Development, helping leaders lead and, and achieve. Welcome, Greg. It's a delight to have you on the program. Thank you, Marsha. I really appreciate the opportunity to be with you today. So let's really just get started and dive in there. Can you tell the listeners what is TED? Wonderful. So TED stands for the Empowerment Dynamic, and it's based on a groundbreaking work by an author with the name David Emerald from the Pacific Coast, uh, specifically Seattle. And it is a complete behavior change model Um, You could think of it as a framework that allows us to reflect on our thinking, the emotional state that's evoked from our thoughts, and really to become more aware of the behaviors that result from our emotions, Marsha. Oh, and, you know, 
why is this important or such uh, so essential in 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 leadership? Uh, can you talk a, a bit about that? Yes, Marsha. You know, I think for years, most leaders have been struggling, particularly those leaders that are in growth organizations and are looking to try to create as much sustainability in their business as, as possible, struggling with the notion of how to react um, in a resourceful way versus an unresourceful way. And this whole, whole idea of choice and being conscious in the way that they choose what they're doing. I see. Can, and can you um, give me an example of, of how this works uh, with leaders? Yes. So, you know, the, the whole framework, I've been observing and participating in the last four years through a private leadership academy where the TED framework has been very much an integral part of what we call meaning and uh, the ability to execute in a deliberate, conscious way. So instead of reacting, which is our, tends to be our normal default uh, type of behavior, reacting to problems, which essentially are uh, anxiety wrapped up in, in, the, in the guise of a problem, it, it's a framework for deliberately thinking about what we want and what we want to create versus what we don't want. Um, and that energetic shift in itself creates very, very different outcomes. You know, uh, one of the th- when we talked about this or earlier, you used a term called FISBE, and I wonder is it time to get into that uh, to tell the the listeners what you're talking about because it's a strange term to me. Yeah, I think that's a it's a it's a great time. FISBE is essentially an internal operating system. So if you think of your computer. The operating system is the software, whether it's Mac or Windows or Linux, that drives everything that happens as you use the other programs. So with FISB, um, it really drives how you see and interact with the world around you, particularly your business world in this case. And really what it uh, relates to is what you focus on drives your inner state, which then drives your behavior. And so it's really essentially the default. What is your default focus that then drives the inner state that you have, which then drives your behavior? So getting to grips with um, these, uh, this operating system or what we call mindsets is really critical as an initial step in introducing the empowerment dynamic choices. So really it's, if I'm, uh, it's how we think and how we see the world. That's our mindset that can affect how we act, uh, the things we do. Is, is that what you're talking about? Absolutely. You, you could refer to them as primary orientations, and we have really two that are defaults that are hardwired. Uh, the first one is what we would call a, prime, uh, a problem orientation, and the alternate is a outcome orientation. Um, so what uh, David Emerald has been studying for years, originally given to us by Stephen Kaufman in the late 60s, is, is known as the DDT, the dreaded drama triangle, which really roots itself in the problem orientation that, are, that is where our default lies, our default operating system, and has really come up with TED as an antidote to this, what he calls the DDT, uh, focusing more on outcomes versus on problems. Well, does um, FISB, is that just a term that's made up, or does it stand for something? 
No, FISB is not a term that uh, that is made up. It's actually adapted from uh, the work from Bob Anderson from the leadership circle um, and used with permission from Bob Anderson uh, in David Emerald's work. So it, it's a um, an orientation and a primary operating system that has has existed um, in academia for many years. Um, and the neat thing is, is is the simplicity of thinking about where do I focus. How is that driving my inner state, and what kind of behaviors is that causing me to generate in the way that I respond to the world that I'm operating in? Um, you know, I, I, actually, uh, does the FISBE stand for something, or is it just a term that is being used? No, the FISBE does stand for, for something, and it's the mental model of focus is the F. Okay. The IS stands for inner state. Okay. And the E stands for behavior. Thanks. Okay. Um, so we so what we focus on, and then you know uh, determines our inner state, and which determines our behavior. Um, I know you've had a lot of experience um, working with clients um, on this model. Can you give an example of maybe a recent client or someone in the academy where they really grasped this and they changed their the, the way they lead? Yeah, typically um, there was one particular individual, a business owner, who um, had a default way of responding to his clients in a very defensive manner and um, not necessarily being as proactive or as, as inquiry-based with the client and going through the program, we watched him reorient his default behavior from knee-jerk reactions to trying to put out fires to actually going and sitting with his client and asking them some very simple questions, starting with, what do you want? What would you like to see? What would be involved in that? All the open-ended inquiry type outcome-oriented questions. And he ended up earning an extra $120,000 from this client who uh, basically told him that they were on the verge of firing him. So uh -huh. simple uh, shifts in the way that he was choosing to approach his client caused there to be a fundamental um, difference in the outcome he was able to generate. So he shifted from what I would imagine is um, maybe telling a client, but more importantly, asking questions. Was that his main shift, just asking questions and finding out more from the client uh, so that he can be in tune with what the client's needs are? Is, um, Absolutely. And, and, you know, invariably, you know, and I can only speak for myself here, is we become subject matter experts. And, and as leaders, I think we have this belief that we should know or should have the answer. And what that triggers in us is a response to the anxiety that we feel when we actually don't know. And instead of just asking questions about what the client wants and what they want to achieve, we go into our default pattern of, of defending ourselves or responding unconsciously to our anxiety, the, the fear of, you know, either fight, flight, freeze, or follow. And mm -hmm. we forget that, you know, there's a client there and the client invariably knows exactly what they're looking for, and we simply need to ask them. So it's just a very subtle shift, but energetically it creates a, a very different feeling because you're working and collaborating with the client instead of the client feeling like you're defending yourself and you know, you're somehow on trial. I would imagine this can also work not only with 
working with your client as a business leader, working with your clients, but also working with your employees to to find out, you know, what is it that they really are, what motivates them or what what they enjoy about the the work or what problems they're having has. uh, um, Can you talk a little bit about that as well? Yeah, I think that you've really hit it on the nail. I, I think it's both a, a very much an internal and external focus in terms of using a much more empowered framework to think about what do we want. You know, we're very, very good, and we naturally are uh, experts at, at sharing with those people that we work with or a boss what we don't want. But if we get into the habit of actually asking what the individual is trying to create and what they, what they do want and let them discover what the process is, I think what we find in working with a lot of leaders, there's a level of impatience and a need to get results as quickly as possible. And there's a resistance to the patience that is required for being in, in more of an inquiry with the individual performer. And every time that we see a leader step back and ask appropriate questions and allow the individual performer to discover together with that leader what needs to be created. There's a whole different uh, level of engagement that, that is created there. You know, you remind me of, of a leader that I had worked with many years ago. And, I rem- and I'm going to paraphrase, but I, I remember him saying something like, I come in stupid every day so I could learn more and be a better leader. And I think that idea, and I'm not saying that we should all come in stupid every day, but the idea that I don't have all the answers and that I, the way I can lead better and get better results is by asking questions. And I think that's what you're really saying, aren't you? Um, yeah, it, it, and Marsha, you speak directly to one of the uh, dreaded drama triangle uh, roles, and that's the role of rescuer. We, we often see leaders in businesses actually love to rescue. It gives them a sense of well-being, a sense of being needed, and invariably what happens when a leader comes in and says, hey, don't worry, I'll take care of this, or here's the way we go about doing it, they rob the opportunity from the performer to actually learn how to do um, the very thing that they've been tasked to do. So it's, it's, it's not that it's a good or bad thing. It just results in a, a, a dependency on the leader that invariably the leader is trying to avoid but unconsciously comes in like the knight in shi- shining armor and uh, rescues the situation. So that's one of the roles in uh, what is referred to um, as the DDT, the dreaded drama triangle. Well, you know, we will be taking a break in about um, uh, a minute or so, and I know you're going to get to the the DDTs, um, and we'll talk about the different roles. But, but I, I, you know, I really do think that many of us, whether we're in, in a leadership position, whether we are a parent, whether we're dealing uh, as colleagues, we love to rescue. It makes us feel good, um, and that's not always good, is it, uh, Greg? No, and, and, you know, part of the challenge with rescuing is that invariably, and when you, when you study Kaufman's work, it's been used, you know, extensively in the, in the dramatic sphere of, of the world in movies and, and in books where the, the very individual that you are rescuing will perceive you as their persecutor. 
and you have what is called a, a vicious cycle that emerges. So at one point, the individual feels like a victim, a victim to either circumstance or a victim to whatever uh, they're being subjected to, legitimate or, or illegitimate. And when the rescuer comes along, um, they're momentarily pleased to be rescued, but then that invariably turns into you being seen as a leader, um, as a persecutor. And this is the very um, uh, vicious cycle that leaders, um, when, they, when they use the empowerment dynamic as an antidote, they can escape that and really so be conscious about the trade-offs that, that are coming from their decisions. Well, how about you hold that thought, because we're going to get into it much more, the DDT, the different roles, but it's time for a short break. Uh, this is Marcia Zidles, your Smart Moves coach. You're listening to The Business Edge, taking the growing pains out of growth on Voice America's business channel. When we return, Greg will continue to talk more about, Ted, the empowerment dynamic. Stay tuned. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. What does a visual workplace mean to you? How does it contribute to operational excellence? And what steps do you take to put it powerfully in place? Listen to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense to find out. Each week, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, shares tools and strategies to help you make the workplace speak at a glance without saying a word. Learn to work safer, faster, better, and at far less cost no matter what business you're in. Tune in to The Visual Workplace every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Each week, Jimmy Gould brings you the stories and the people that you want to hear about. Tune in to A Current Life to hear about the journey to success, how our guests became the people they are today, and the highs and lows they experienced along the way. Each hour will leave you inspired and entertained as Jimmy gets up close and personal with every week's guest and shares ideas you can identify with and apply to your own life. A Current Life with Jimmy Gould airs Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Business Edge with Marsha Zeidel. To reach Marsha or her guests on today's show, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send us an email to Marsha at smartmovescoach.com. Now, back to The Business Edge. Welcome. This is Marsha Zotto, your Smart Moves Coach, and I'm talking with Greg Magnus, who uh, will, has really been focusing on this great book called The Power of Ted, uh, The Empowerment Dynamics, and he used some very interesting terms in the first segment, FISBE, and now we're going to be talking about the DDTs. So can you explain what that is, Greg? Sure, Marsha. So DDT originally was um, put out into the world by Stephen Karpman, in the early 60s and has been around for a long time and it refers to 
the orientation of what, what is known as victim. And it's very much part of the default behavior of responding to our anxiety and um, often is, is referred to as a vicious cycle. So there are behaviors or roles, uh, more correctly, that are persecutor roles, rescuer roles, and victim roles, and they e- each enable each other. Um, and in David Emerald's work, he looked at that and, and really was, was searching for a way to introduce a different way of responding um, to circumstances uh, in business and in life that was more empowering. And that's where the uh, TED or, or empowerment dynamic roles uh, come in. And so, you know, there's a, you have a persecutor role, a victim role, and a rescue role. Um, but, then, but then don't you have other roles in the empowerment? When you're in the, the empowerment roles, they're different, aren't they? Right. So, so the challenge is um, having a look at the orientation. And once we're conscious about the trade-offs that are coming from choosing some of these DDT roles, for example, the persecutor thinks that they must win at any cost and they control others through blame or criticism or, oppre- or oppression, in order to break that cycle, David Emerald suggests that there's a, uh, an opposite choice with the empowerment dynamic called challenger. And the challenger is a very different orientation. It focuses uh, on what you want, and it's sparked by, by learning um, and, and challenging the status quo and really focuses on improvement and the development um, that's available through what's there to learn. So instead of blaming, we challenge a very, very different orientation. Right, and I know we're going to get into the how you make the shift from these from these one set of roles to this the empowerment roles. But just you know a quick a quick overview. So we talked you talked about the persecutor. Um, what's the victim role? Can you talk a little bit about um, you know define the victim role and maybe even give some examples. Yeah, so when you think about the victim role, it, 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 we, we want to try to be careful about labeling because, you know, once we put a label on things, we tend to see them show up simply because of the way that we're thinking about it. But a victim is, is essentially anyone who feels they're powerless and at the mercy of whatever's going on in their business, circumstances or through people, and they're unwilling to take responsibility for what is happening. So the victim really is saying, poor me. Look at what's going on. I'm overwhelmed. I've got too much to do. All these different requests, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And, and we can often experience that within ourselves. I certainly, for one, uh, recognize many situations where you know I, I can experience being, quote unquote, a victim. And I think we all we all can identify with that role at different times in our life, and with different situations, and with different people. Um, and then there's the rescuer. Talk a little bit about that. So earlier we, we spoke about this, this default reaction, particularly with leaders, uh, entrepreneurs, C-suite executives, anybody <laughs> who has reached a, a level where they're leading a team, there's this default need to be valuable. So the rescuer intervenes on behalf of the victim to save them uh, from their perceived harm. So it, it, what, it, what the rescuer uh, role does is it fosters a kind of dependency by relieving the victim of taking responsibility. So you'll know this uh, you know, from your own experiences where we jump in because something needs to be done 
and we alleviate the, uh, the need to take responsibility from the individual who should be doing the work, and therefore we, re- we reinforce this kind of dependability on us rescuing every situation. Um, and I can identify with that as well, uh, because uh, like <laughs> many leaders uh, who are very action-oriented, take initiative, they're resourceful, um, it's so easy to jump in and uh, and take over. And I know I've been, I've had to work on that. And I'm sure you've had leaders who've had to work on that as well. How, how you know, um, can you give me an example from your, you know, from the academy or the, or the leaders you're coaching? Yeah, it's a great question, Marsha. And, and this is very much a practice. So I think for all the listeners, it, it very much is something that has to be a conscious, deliberate choice to think about what orientation do I find myself in at any one point in time. And if I notice any of the, the kind of emotional responses that are bringing up being a persecutor or a rescuer or a victim, I immediately can check in and say, okay, well, I understand the trade-offs of that. What alternatives do I have? So it is a very much a thinking process a different way of thinking about what we're trying to do. And we refer to a, um, an acronym called AS. It's what is our attention, what is our intention, and what results are we getting. And there's very different AS that come out of a victim orientation versus the AS that come out of a creator orientation, which is the empowerment dynamic. So can you talk a little more about AS? That's intention, intention, and results. Um, yeah. You know, uh, tell me more about that, maybe even give some examples. Sure. So the victim orientation would have their attention on what they don't want. So I don't want to miss my my, uh, bonus at the end of the year. And what that does is it drives a whole lot of anxiety around what am I going to do to get my bonus versus the creator orientation attention would be what do I want? So I do want to get my uh, bonus at the end of the year. So when you focus, when you use the words, I don't want, it really engages fear and anxiety. When you say the words, this is what I do want, it engages your passion about getting there. And there's a very, very distinct difference or polarity between anxiety and passion. If we operate from anxiety, typically we're reacting. And if we operate from a passion standpoint or focusing on driving and getting a result, that tends to ignite a more proactive approach to doing things. You know, it sounds so simple uh, and, par- and, and, uh, and yet I know it's probably not, not as simple as it seems, but one of the things that struck me is just the way we language or the words we say can affect you know, not only how we feel, how uh, how we think, and how we behave. So you're talking about with, with the victim um, going from I don't to what what you don't want to what you do want. Um, to me, that's a very powerful but simple way of moving towards that empowerment. Um, can you give maybe an example of someone uh, that you worked with who did that? Yes, and, and, you know, it, it, this happens all the time, whether it's in business or whether it's in, um, you know, in personal life. I have a, a client who has a partner 
who is the founder of their organization. And every time he orients around this individual in, in, in the thinking of this is what I don't want to happen, invariably what he doesn't <laughs> want to have happen actually happens. Versus, <laughs> yeah. versus letting go of that and sitting down with the individual with a blank sheet of paper and saying, what do we, what do we really want? I'm really interested in what you want. So it's, it's, it, what it does is it shifts into where, where we have similar interests in terms of discovering that versus where we're putting a stake in the ground and saying, this is what I don't want and this is what I don't want. And you can just feel the, the energy is different. So whether it's a partnership relationship, a boss performer relationship, uh, there's just any numerous number of, uh, of examples. But particularly when we get together um, on a one-on-one basis, um, that's when this, this type of emotional response that is, that is rooted in the DDT tends to sabotage what we're trying to create. Now you um, and, and you've also mentioned something about the anecdote to DDT, the dreaded drama triangle. Can you help us understand how that works? And maybe you've already been talking about it, but expand on it. Yeah, so that's fabulous. So the antidote that David Emerald um, has devised is um, choosing differently. So th- this is really all about choice. And when you think about it, you know, leaders can always choose differently, and they're always responsible. So how do we move out of a role of persecutor or rescuer or victim uh, into a more resourceful space? So David's created these ant- what he calls antidote roles, so the antidote to the victim is the creator, and the mm-hmm. creator focuses on vision, desired outcomes. The, the creator takes full responsibility for initiating action and achieving desired outcomes. So it's a, it's a framework that is rooted in the essence of leadership. And then the rescuer needs to move to what David calls coach. So instead of, from, instead of intervening and rescuing, it's about empowering people through inquiry to help them gain clarity. So it's a very, very different way of engaging the people that you're leading, the performers in your organization, to help them in a coaching framework to actually arrive at what needs to be created themselves. And then moving from persecutor to challenger, challenger is all about saying, Marsha, I believe in you. I know that you can do this versus, Marsha, you have no idea what you're doing. You know, what do you think you're, you know, you're up to? So there's, there's two very different energetic exchanges there. Challenges hold out each individual performer as a creator um, and give them the opportunity to perform. So very, very different energetic exchange. You know, as you were talking about these three separate roles and when you were talking about from the persecutor to the challenger, this concept is is not only effective and important in business, but I'm thinking of when uh, all the young people who are in school, who are going through school, and how many times, you know, looking at teachers and what roles teachers take, whether they're the persecutor or the challenger. And I don't think anyone, whether it's a teacher, a, a boss, a leader, consciously chooses the uh, persecutor role, but it seems to that that that's what they just fall into. And and we need to move to the challenger role. And we have about 30 seconds left before the break. Is there there one piece, you know, one thing you would like to say before we move to making that shift uh, that's important for the leaders? 
uh, listeners out there? Yeah, I think, you know, why this is becoming such an essential uh, leadership approach or what we would call a leadership practice is that there's definitely a move uh, from a business perspective in North America to a more sustainable long-term focus versus a short-term um, kind of focus in business. How can we create more sustainability, more engagement with the individuals that, that we work with? And when we respond to anxiety, it tends to create knee-jerk reactions that are short-term. But when we focus on what we want to create and what we're trying to achieve, that tends to drive long-term sustainable outcomes. And I look forward to talking uh, to you in, in the last segment about, you know, how, how do we do that? How do we make shift happen? Well, listeners, you're in for a treat right after the break. Uh, Greg will come back and talk to us about how to make that shift, how to move from one set of roles to another. But um, now it's time for a break. This is Marsha Zidle, your Smart Moves coach. You're listening to The Business Edge, taking the growing pains out of growth on Voice America Business Channel. Stay tuned. <laughs> Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Business Edge with Marsha Zidle. To reach Marsha or her guests on today's show, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send us an email to Marsha at smartmovescoach.com. Now, back to The Business Edge. Welcome. Uh, my, um, my guest is Greg Magnus, and he is talking about Ted, the empowerment dynamic. And we've had some really interesting discussions about DTTs and FISB and other terminology. But right now, um, what's important is to help our listeners figure out or talk, talk to our listeners about how to move from the DDT role to the TED roles. How do you do that, Greg? Well, Marsha, this is, this is the, the million-dollar question. It's, it's the habit structure that, you know, we are hardwired um, to, um, to choose that, that we need to look at breaking. And, and the way that 
David Emerald has framed this. It's, it's shifting from what we call an unresourceful orientation that is a response to anxiety to a much more resourceful way of choosing, which is a response to what we want, what we want to create. So perhaps we, you know, we'll, let's choose the rescuer role. This is the one that I identify with the most as a leader. And, um, you know, it constantly stands in my way um, when I'm trying to, to create outcomes because my default is to want to jump in and do the work myself or provide the answer. So let's let's there are three things we have we look at when we are making that shift from that rescuer to the coach. So the first thing is the thoughts. What are the thoughts of the rescuer? So perfect. So the thoughts are, you know, I'm I'm actually saying I must save others from harm. Uh if I do good, it will be worthy. I feel sorry for them. So you know, think of an example when you're with uh, a performer and you just automatically either feel sorry for them or you just say, well, you know, I'm exasperated. I'm going to have to jump in here and take care of this myself, whether it's with a client or with something internal. So you're, you're just diving in because you feel that's the best thing for you to do to get the result. And so when you shift to the coach role, then your thoughts are different, aren't they? Absolutely. So you're shifting from what we would say is, is a more advocacy or telling orientation into an asking inquiry orientation. And your thoughts would be people are resourceful and creative. I trust others and their ability. So you're actually viewing individuals around you that you've hired or that you're working with as trustworthy, competent, capable individuals that can figure things out on their own. And the, and the focus there is to, is to ask questions. Great. And I think mo- most of us want to be treated that way, to be thought of as competent and resourceful and creative. Um, but now let's move to the feelings. That's the second thing we have to look at as we make the shift. So what are the rescue? What are the feelings that a rescuer has? I think the primary uh, feeling is is not being needed. So typically you'll find leaders will build their businesses to a point where they've hired competent people to do the jobs around them. That's going really well. And all of a sudden they go like, wow, you know, where's my self-worth? I used to do this all myself. (laughs) And there's this knee-jerk reaction to want to come and get back in to rescue situations. So this fear of not being needed is, is a primary feeling. Yes, and I think we can identify because all of us want to feel needed. But in in order to move to that coach role, we need to also shift some of our feelings. So what should we be, what are the kinds of feelings we need to make that shift? It really is is a move to what we would call compassion. And this is something that, you know, leaders struggle with in that, you know, when you live in such an achiever-based society, um, it's very difficult to step back and have compassion um, and, and feel uh, non-attached to the outcome. So when you think of the role of moving from rescuer to coach, coaches are non-attached. They give options. They ask questions. How do you think you might go about that? What do you think might be the results of those actions? And it's, and it's much more of a hands-off versus hands-on approach. And that's not easy in an achiever society where leaders are used to being so hands-on. Yes, I can imagine many leaders struggle with this to step back and to watch 
and and to see how things evolve and not jump in. Um, and maybe we can talk about that a little more, but let's get to the third one. The third area is behaviors. So we talked about the thoughts of a rescuer and the thoughts of a coach, the feelings of a rescuer, the feelings of a coach. Now we get down to the nitty-gritty. What about the behaviors of a rescuer? What, what, what are they doing? Marsha, you mentioned it uh, earlier. It, it's this desire to jump in. They literally jump in to save the day. Um, and this behavior fosters dependency. Um, it, it fosters a, an idea that they're indispensable. Without our leader, we're incapable. If our leader is not here to jump in and save the day, we're, we're unable. And, it, and you can see how that actually reinforces victimhood. And people thinking, well, you know, we can't move ahead because our leader is not around. Um, so very destructive behavior, even though it seems noble and honorable. Right. I think many leaders think they're doing the right thing. But again, they don't see. And I'm coming back to one of, uh, what I talked about a little earlier is the unintended consequences of what they do because they think they're helping. But in essence, they they may not be. So what are the behavior? Now let's shift to the behaviors of a coach. What are the things coaches do that empower their people? So these behaviors are all rooted in what we would call inquiry, so this idea of asking, so helping others to self-develop their own clarity and vision. So the great leaders are, are really exceptional at, at, at setting a tone and a vision for the organization in terms of what they want to accomplish, and then it's giving individual performers the opportunity to create their own vision within that and letting them develop those steps and, and frameworks and, and outcomes that, that support the overall vision of, of the organization without telling. So the key here is asking versus telling. And when I work with leaders, one of the things that uh, we talk about is when you delegate, and this gets down to the really nitty-gritty, when you delegate a, a, an assignment, a project, that um, you you tell that person what are the parameters or the expectations and give them that and how they do that is really up to them, assuming that, you know, they know what they're doing. And, and many leaders say, but how, how can I do that? I'm giving, I'm giving something up and I'm saying you may get something better if you allow your people to figure out how to get to that, your goal, to your vision. Have you found that as well? Yes, Marsha. You know, we, we relate, um, the word that we use is courage. So some of the most exceptional leaders, um, the, the one consistent characteristic is, well, actually two, is, is a very high level of self-awareness in the trade-offs of their choices and then a, an ability to have courage in not being attached, in letting go and letting the people around them support the overall achievement of the goals. Because businesses invariably get stuck. It's known as the founder's trap where mm -hmm. the leader or the founder of the organization cannot get out of the way of themselves. So this is a common dilemma that we all face. And I'm sure we've got many uh, examples that we all could share about what it means to be stuck and feel like you know, we're vulnerable if we let go. So it takes a lot of courage and self-awareness. 
Well, you know, let's move on because we have uh, what is, uh, you know, you talked about earlier the dynamic tension and why is it important. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? We have about three minutes before our break. So um, uh, I'll let, the, let the listeners know what do you mean by dynamic tension? Yeah, so this is a fabulous, um, this is the part that really uh, uh, struck a chord for me when I started doing this work with David Emerald six years ago. And, you know, it's based on the work of Robert Fritz. Um, he wrote a book called The Path of Least Resistance. And it really is a way of planning for and taking action in creating outcomes. So the idea of getting a very, very clear understanding of your current reality in relationship to the vision that you have or the outcome that you are wanting to create and then taking the baby steps that you need to take to get there. So the dynamic tension is what exists between a very honest interrogation of where you are today as a leader or as part of an organization, your current reality, and having a very clear idea of where you want to go. And then everything in between, think of it as a, as a tractor beam, something that pulls you towards something. And that's what the creator empowerment dynamic framework does. It's, it, it ignites your passion. Remember, Fisbee, what you focus on drives your inner state, which then drives your behavior. So focusing on what you want drives your passion, which then causes you to take the next best baby step to get to where you want to go. And that's what uh, we mean by dynamic tension. And I think, you know, I like the word you, the, the, the phrase you use, baby steps, because I think many leaders feel under the gun that this is where we need to go, and boy, we better get to it right now. And then they, some problems may be they overextend themselves, they don't have a real sense of, of reality, and they get into more trouble. So how have you helped leaders to really take those baby steps that are necessary? Yeah, fantastic question. We, we, we uh, encourage and we require, actually, um, in, in the leadership program that I've been part of for the last four years, to use what is known as an action planning worksheet that actually helps the leader interrogate their current reality. So really getting clear um, and completely assessing their current reality as it relates to their envisioned outcome. And, and the aspects of those are... You know, what is supporting my current reality and what is hindering my current reality? So very, getting very clear on that. And once we have that in place, we, we, we do a brainstorming exercise that, that really asks the leader the question. So once you have a clear idea of your current reality, what could or might you do to begin to move your current reality towards your vision? So what could you stop doing? What could I change or do differently? What could I keep doing? And what could I start doing? And it sounds simplistic, but when you actually do this in practice with every situation that you are facing, it's amazing uh, what leaders uncover because they are forcing themselves into an inquiry mode versus thinking that they, they need to respond immediately. So, you know, I, we're going to end with that because I love this. Just to start asking yourself what do I need to stop? What do I need to keep doing? What do I need to start doing? Simplistic, 
but I think very powerful questions. So it is time for a short break. This is Marcia Zidal, Smart Moves Coach. You're listening to The Business Edge, taking the growing pains out of growth on Voice America's business channel. When we come back, uh, Greg will have some final thoughts, and then we'll get to Marcia's musings. Stay tuned. Which guests are being featured this week? Read our network press releases and read the blog posts from your favorite hosts. Go to iradioblog.com today. Powered by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. Looking for a business talk radio program that's unlike any other talk radio program you've heard before? It's time to check out Game On! Business Talk Radio with host Dr. D. Anthony Miles. Dr. Miles and his guests will tackle some of the unconventional and controversial issues and topics in the business world. We'll outline, discuss, and provide solutions to certain problems in marketing, business management, financial accounting, and policies. You and your business can't afford to miss a show. Tune in Wednesdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Business Edge with Marsha Zidal. To reach Marsha or her guests on today's show, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send us an email to Marsha at smartmovescoach.com. Now, back to The Business Edge. Welcome back, listeners. Uh, Greg McGinnis has given us a great introduction to the power of TED, and um, I'd like to ask him, what are the two or three key things that our listeners need to know about TED? Thank you, Marsha. Well, you know, I believe that, you know, I, I just want to acknowledge the work that David Emerald has done and, and the power of TED as a, as a framework. Um, he, he published this work uh, just over five years ago, and really this idea of being completely responsible for the choices that we make and making conscious choices and simply understanding the trade-offs between responding to anxiety and responding to an outcome orientation that ignites our passion. So really, really uh, critical. And then this notion that um, by focusing on both the outcome and the current reality that we have, we engage this beautiful thing called dynamic tension, which really is a creative force between what we want and where we are. And what, what happens is the tension seeks to be resolved. So the creator, the creative orientation instead of the victim, takes baby steps to move from current reality towards their desired outcome. And each small baby step brings learning. 
So whether it's a step forward or a step back or a quantum leap forward, it's about moving in the direction of what you want to create. And I think that's really, really important and, and certainly a very, very liberating uh, way to choose. And, and Greg, if, peop- if the listeners want to contact you, how can they do it to find out more about you and more about TED? The best way, Marsha, is to uh, give me a call. Uh, my direct line, 214-227-6900, or email me at greg, M for mother, at axiomhrd.com. And the axiom is A-X-I-O-M for mother, hrd.com. And I'd be more than happy to chat with anybody who wants to learn more. Thank you so much, Greg. Um, I truly enjoyed listening to you and learning more about the uh, about TED, uh, the empowerment dynamic. Now, listeners, it's time for Marsha's musings, tips, tools, and occasional tirades to get you moving towards success. Are you familiar with the parable, The Blind Man and the Elephant? It's a classic and has leadership principles. Just sort of a reminder, uh, six blind men were discussing what they believe an elephant was like since they had heard how strange a creature it was. Of course, being blind, they had never seen one, so they went to the market to find one. The first blind man approached the beast and felt the animal's firm, flat side and said, It seems to me that the elephant is just like a wall. The second reached out and touched one of the elephant's tusks. No, this is round and smooth and sharp. The elephant is like a spear. Intrigued, the third stepped up to the elephant and touched its trunk. Well, I can't agree with either of you. I feel a squirming, writhing thing. Surely the elephant is just like a snake. The fourth was now quite puzzled, reached out and felt the elephant's leg and said, That's nonsense, because clearly the elephant is just like a tree. Utterly confused, the fifth stepped forward and grabbed one of the elephant's ears. You must all be mad, he said. An elephant is exactly like a fan. Finally, the sixth approached and holding the beast's tail said, It's nothing like any of your descriptions. The elephant is just like a rope. All six blind men continued to argue based on their own particular experiences as to what they thought the elephant was like. It was an argument they would never be able to resolve. Each of them was concerned only with their own ideas. None of them had the full picture and none could see any of the other's points of view. While in part each blind man was right, none were totally correct. You see, listeners, this happens in real life as well. Most of us are guilty, at least some of the time, of thinking our way is the right way and their way is wrong. How do you make sure you're not falling into this trap? It's important to be able to see things from other people's perspective, especially when you're trying to resolve conflict or sort out a really difficult situation. So here's A smart moose tip. Next time you find yourself in a disagreement that's affecting your relationship with your boss or other key people in your professional and personal life, remember that you may be seeing the tail of a situation while the other person sees the tusk or the trunk. 
So step back a little so you can see the whole animal. As one of my leader clients said to me, quote, I listen actively to people around me, especially those who challenge my ideas. I listen carefully, even to the opinions that totally contradict my own beliefs. I want to make sure that when I make my decisions, I hadn't missed anything. How sure are you listeners that you're not missing anything? Remember the story of the blind men and the elephant. Do you want to take the growing pains out of growth? Marsha can provide executive coaching to business leaders and managers, facilitate a leadership retreat for your team, or speak to your employees to get them excited about your business. Contact Marsha at M-A-R-C-I-A smartmovescoach.com or call me at 972-380-9181. Next, now, for next week's guest is Chris Westfall, the author of the book, The New Elevator Pitch. In today's highly competitive world, you got to have a message that cuts through the noise. If you want to get an investor, get a raise, or get a customer, or even get a date, find out the secrets of persuasion and influence from the national elevator pitch champion, Chris. Make your message matter, because in business, as well as in life, Whoever tells the best story wins. Now, before we leave, one final smart moose thought. A leader leads by example, whether he intends to or not. It's the questions we ask, the stories we tell, the choices we make, and the actions we take that influence those around us. Accept the responsibility for being a leader. Wear the role with pride and honor. Others will listen to you, support you, follow you, and will want to continue doing business with you. Listeners, what example are you setting for those around you? And finally, realize there are three kinds of people in this world. Those who make it happen, those who let it happen, and those who asked, what happened? Which one are you? If you're highly motivated to make it happen, let me make it happen for you. Call me now for a free consult at 972-380-9181 or email Marcia, M-A-R-C-I-A, at smartmovescoach.com. Thank you for listening. Tune in every week, 11 a.m. Pacific for the Business Edge with Marcia Zidal, the Smart Moves executive coach and speaker, helping entrepreneurs and business leaders take their company's firm or practice to that next level with less stress and more success. In other words, how to take the growing pains out of growth. Thank you. You've been listening to The Business Edge with Marsha Zidal. Please join us again next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And enjoy taking your business to the next level.